It's Wednesday on Today in Ohio, which means we're talking with Seth Richardson about some politics. It's the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Seth, as well as Lisa Garvin and Laura Johnston. It's a sunny Wednesday morning. How are you all? Doing pretty well. Ready for spring. <laughs> good, good to hear. It's uh, good to hear. Let's get going. Republicans on the Ohio Redistricting Commission have come up with their second set of maps for congressional districts in Ohio after the state Supreme Court rejected the first set as gerrymandered. Is the second set gerrymandered? Seth, you can pretty much rest assured, yes. Yeah, I think we've come to realize that just about anything that comes out of the Ohio Redistricting Commission is probably going to be gerrymandered. Um just because Republicans have uh, on the commission have shown that that is their uh, modus operandi at this point. Um, so, yeah, they came out with a new map, though, that is kind of ostensibly a 10-5 map is the way it's sort of built. But, you know, you got to look a little closer at it and you see two of those Demo- 10 Republican, five Democrat. Two of those Democratic districts are very narrow toss ups. Probably Republicans win, um, you know, in an electoral environment like this here. And even the third in Akron is around a a plus four district. Basically, Democrats have a four percentage point advantage given the average of um, the elections from 2016 to 2020. But, you know, four points is, yeah, maybe a little outside toss-up territory, but it's still pretty close, all things considered. So, um, you know, I think the big question that everybody has is, is it going to stand up in the courts and... um, you know, I, I see some things in this map that maybe could end up being problematic. They they cut off. Maybe. Yeah, well, OK, yes, <laughs> maybe I'm not. <laughs> it's not proportional. I mean, these are the these clowns tried this with the legislative. They go in. The Supreme Court rejects them, says, no, they have to be proportional. So then they come back with a second set of maps that still aren't proportional. And lo and behold, the Supreme Court says, what are you thinking? We told you to make it proportional. Same thing happened here. They went in with a ridiculously lopsided, out of sync with the Ohio vote set of maps. Supreme Court said, you can't do that. You got to follow the rules. And they're doing it again. It's like, are they just too stupid to understand what the rules are well, here? proportionality, that's in the legislative maps, not the congressional maps. The congressional says you can't unduly benefit a single party. And right. I think he, but, I think in but, this, when you look at it, there are definitely some cases where they're going to look at it and say, hey, what's going on here? You know, like. Uh, Oakwood, for instance, is a, you know, predominantly black suburb in Cleveland. It's been lopped off from what would be Chantel Brown's district. Um, I actually think the biggest problem for them when they go in front of the court is going to be Hamilton County, because once again, they cut off that northern black population in suburban Hamilton County to make a, a more competitive district for potentially Steve Shabbat to win by, you know, getting that up into Warren County instead of having a wholly contained Hamilton County district. But when we say that it can't unfairly favor one party over another, that's basically saying it's got to match the state. It doesn't match the state. It does unfairly favor one party. It greatly favors the Republican Party over the Democratic Party. I just don't see how this doesn't get slapped down in a heartbeat with the Supreme Court. This is, doesn't even come close to what voters envisioned. You know, if they went with nine and six, you might start to make the argument that, OK, you're getting closer. You're getting in the range without these ridiculous toss up kind of things. But this this is just another mad power grab. By, let's name them, Mike DeWine, Keith Faber, 
Frank LaRose, Matt Huffman, Bob Cup, they just keep abusing the voters to maintain their disproportionate power. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing that, right? The the courts have said as much. And I say probably because, you know, I'm not a lawyer. But, yeah, I think anybody who kind of looks at this, even from a layman's level, can see what's going on here. I mean, even if you look at this Columbus district, with uh, Mike Carey's district, you know, it stretches you know, completely over to the West. You look at the Lorraine district, for instance, right? A, a, a more toss up ish area now, but generally like historically a democratic area. And it's being lumped in with places on the Indiana border, right? What do, what does the right. places on the Indiana border have in common with Lorraine? Like really nothing, especially when you've got Southern Cuyahoga County stretching all the way down to Holmes County with Bob Gibbs. So yeah, I think that's where they're going to definitely run into hey. some issues. And they keep gambling that the deadlines of the elections will squeeze the Supreme Court, which has shown that's not going to be effective. So, you know, I, I still think there's a, a good chance that they will accept the third version of the legislative maps. Could be wrong. You know, there are some arguments against it, but I have a feeling that they'll say, OK, it meets most of the rules. Go. I can't see in any way them signing off on this set of maps. They're not fair. They're not what voters were promised. And once again, the Republicans are abusing the good faith of the voters of Ohio. You are listening to Today in Ohio. Has the unit that investigates citizen complaints against Cleveland police finally turned the corner and started doing the job correctly? Lisa, this was a pleasant surprise to come out of the monitor on the Cleveland police consent decree, which I do want to point out was supposed to last five years and is now in, I think it's eighth year, closing out its seventh. Yeah, it started, I think, in 2015. So the monitoring team uh, issued a report to the federal court that's overseeing the Cleveland Police Department consent decree. And they actually had good words to say about the Office of Professional Standards. They lauded the group for fixing a broken system of, of handling citizen complaints. The report focused on 23 cases that went in front of the OPS since June of 2019. They had nice words to say about Roger Smith, who was the leader of the OPS, now former. He's actually now doing the same job in Phoenix. He he left Cleveland last November. But they found that he reduced investigation time significantly and cleared a large case backlog. They also had nice things to say about the Civilian Police Review Board. They said that it made striking improvements in processing cases and forwarding them on to the chief in a timely manner for his ruling. However, they did say there is kind of a long road to hoe here because the backlog is growing. They feel like the officers who investigate these citizen complaints need a lot more support. And they also talked about officer training and and policies that are needed outside of the traditional disciplinary process. So this is kind of interesting. It comes at an interesting time. Um, The OPS will have a different role once issue 24, which was approved by voters last November, takes effect. So in the old system or the current system, the OPS OPS is within the Cleveland Police Department. They investigated reports and made recommendations to the Civilian Police Review Board, which then forwarded it to the chief or the safety director who had the final say. Under issue 24, the OPS will work for actually the Civilian Police Review Board, and that board has the power to override findings by the chief and the safety director. So it'll be interesting to see. But this is good news. Like you said, Chris, they are moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's kind of funny, though. They finally get it fixed after all this time, and now we're going to change it. So they could break it again. <laughs> it's, you don't know. It's in their final months of, of the old system, they finally get it right. 
something that they'd had a lot of trouble with. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Is Ohio getting closer to becoming a state where anyone can carry a concealed weapon without a permit? Laura, this is one of those things that's a bit hard to fathom. I wondered this morning whether this will create a much more courteous populace if you know that anybody you might say a crossword to is carrying a gun. I don't know if that's the first thing that comes to my mind as what could happen with this bill, but it could pass today. Uh, Senate Bill 22, sorry, Senate Bill 215 passed out of a House committee on Tuesday. It will no longer require Ohioans to get a concealed carry permit, and it won't make them proactively tell law enforcement during traffic stops that they're armed. Ohio would actually become the 22nd state to allow this concealed carry in public without needing a license. So, I don't know how it's going in other states, but uh, right now the law says you have to take eight hours of training and pass a background check. That would go away. And this is just one of several Republican bills under consideration to loosen gun laws in Ohio. One that really struck me that Jeremy Peltzer included in his story is that there'd be a sales tax exemption to the purchases of shotguns that are 10 gauge or smaller, which is like, Wait, yeah, what? they're just I, the, 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 there's a bunch of things they're doing to make it easier, but there's nothing as profound no, as saying anybody yeah. can carry a gun at any time. I, I do. I, I, and look, the, the argument for this is the Second Amendment says that right shall not be infringed upon and right. making people go to training, making them do things. That's an infringement. It's not constitutional. You got to get rid of it. Uh, and, and, you know, like you said, many states have done it. I, it's just an odd thing. When you go to the grocery store right now, you're not looking around thinking half the people in here are packing. But the and, grocery store can still put a sign on their front door that says they don't allow guns. I mean, lots of places have that. It's it, You still have to follow the rules of the private business that you're you're visiting. Yeah, I'm not sure that they will continue to do that, though. I, I just It's an odd one. I mean, I the, the thing I pose is you're at the, the fireworks and somebody... You know, your kids are sitting on the blanket and some rude family comes in and takes up half your space. Do you treat them differently thinking they all have guns? Or I mean, <laughs> that's a terrifying thought because, we, well, you know, the fireworks can be like a real impetus for this kind of road rage anyway. But the argument that the people have, the proponents say, is that this is going to make Ohioans safer. But there's a lot of opponents of the bill. Some of them testified yesterday, including the Fraternal Order of Police of Ohio. And they're saying it's making Ohio more dangerous for residents and law enforcement because cops will not have to be told that you have a gun. And I just, I mean, those situations are fraught enough that the idea is scary to me. Well, except the idea is that if you're a law-abiding citizen, you're not going to shoot the officer who pulls you over, that you really don't need to tell him you have a gun because law-abiding citizens don't pull guns out and just start shooting people. Uh, it's it's the felons that do that, and they're not going to tell the cop they have a gun anyway. It's, you know, there, there are arguments that the restrictions that were put on people are absurd because the only people who follow those restrictions are law-abiding citizens anyway. Uh, I just, the thing that it does is we've all seen flashpoint tempers. You've seen road rage. You've seen it. The whole equation changes when the people that are venting those tempers have a gun. You know, you just wonder what, what that will look like in a future. Uh, you know, your kids are going to grow up, Laura, 
in a state where at any moment anybody near them can have a gun. And let's remember, half of these people voted for Trump, so their judgment is kind of questionable oh, to begin with. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, is a profound change. They, they did make two amendments yesterday. They said that people are not going to be allowed to cons- carry a concealed firearm without a permit if they're fugitives from justice were found guilty in the past three years of assaulting a peace officer. Um, so, I mean, that's good news. And well, you couldn't carry a gun. Well, you couldn't do now. it anyway. I mean, <laughs> it's like, that doesn't right. do anything. And then there's another amendment that says they would allow law enforcement officers to continue with Terry stops, which police briefly detain people when there's reasonable suspicion they committed a crime. I'm not sure how that's directly related to the guns. But meanwhile, it's not like Ohioans are just like waiting to see if this passes. The the number of renewals of concealed carry permits in last year jumped 20%. They had an unprecedented 108,622 permit renewals last year. It'll be so. interesting to see if once people don't need to get permits that they they just buy a lot more guns. Very very interesting time in Ohio and again other states have done it and you haven't seen incredible mayhem but it's early in this trend. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Who are the Ohio members of Congress asking President Joe Biden to give Ukrainian nationals in the United States protected status so they don't have to return to their home country while Russia's invasion continues? Seth, every politician is out talking about Ukraine. It is the story of the day. Uh, and a bunch of them got together to lobby the president. Yeah, kind of an unsurprising bunch when you think about it as well. It's almost who you would expect in this state to sign on to a letter like that. You've got Democrats, Marcy Kaptur and Tim Ryan, as well as Republicans, Dave Joyce and Anthony Gonzalez, asking uh, you know the administration to uh, include Ukraine, uh, include a designation of temporary protected status, deferred enforced departure, and special student relief for um, Ukrainians in the United States. And basically what that means is it kind of grants them sort of quasi-refugee status where you're not going to send them back to a war zone because something is going on there so they can stay here. Um, you know, Monday morning, uh, you also had Rob Portman and Sherrod Brown, both senators, uh, jumping on and sending a similar letter from senators to uh, the Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that, that, that you don't send people back into harm's way, although you have seen plenty of stories about Ukrainian nationals who are outside their country rushing back to defend it. The spirit that the Ukrainians have shown in fighting the bully that is Russia, I think, is is being celebrated around the world. They're just not giving up. Everybody thought this would be a waltz, uh, including the Russians, and they are getting serious, serious defense back. So I'm sure Biden will agree to that. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I I can't imagine a reason that he wouldn't. And to your point about the Ukrainians real quick, I just want to say slightly unrelated. But, um, you know, I have been I don't know that I have ever seen a people as tough as Ukrainians, at least when it's getting put out there on social media, because they have been, you know, yeah, everybody thought they were going to just get run over. And then you have you know, ladies out in the middle of public saying, hey, I hope you carry sunflower seeds in your pocket so flowers yeah. sprout mm-hmm. when you die on our soil. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty yeah. hardcore. <laughs> but yeah, to the point about Biden, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any way that this does, this seems to have pretty, you know, um, I, wanna, I don't want to say unanimous support because we've heard some of the rhetoric in the, uh, you know, Senate race and whatnot. But I think it does go to show that there is a difference between what is actually sort of going on in Congress in D.C. and what is being said on the airwaves and on radio shows or whatever. 
Okay, you're listening to Today in Ohio. Let's stick with Ukraine. How does Senator Rob Portman want to step up the sanctions against Russia for its invasion of Ukraine? He's proposing that the U.S. do more than it's doing, Lisa. Yeah, and he's actually got a long laundry list of things that that could be done in terms of sanctions. And I think maybe a couple of them have been enacted in the last 24 hours. I tried to find um, validation for that and wasn't able to. But Senator Portman met Monday with the Ukraine ambassador Oksana Markova, and he offered U.S. assistance whatever they need. He said the meeting was packed and it was highly emotional. Um, The biggest one to come out of this, he says that he wants to end Russia's status as a favored trading partner, this would essentially nullify the permanent normal trade relations pact that Portman negotiated with Russia as when he was U.S. trade representative. So this, if this were to happen, it would raise tariffs on Russian goods to levels that were before the pact took place. And Portman said that trade is a privilege and not a right. Other the things that he offered up, he said that we should seize all U.S. assets with Kremlin ties or ties to Russian oligarchs, bar, bar all banks from SWIFT, which is the International Money Exchange Program, instead of just the select few that are focused on now. He wants to pressure China to bar Russian access to their financial reserves in China. Apparently, China holds about 14% of Russian finances. He's talking about closing U.S. airspace to Russia, and I think that may have happened. He also wants the U.S. to send more liquefied natural gas to Europe to wean them off of their dependence on Russian natural gas. And he's also talking about forming legislation against Russian cyber attacks. So he's got a lot of things on his list, and some of them may be enacted. What's fascinating about all this is the world had become a place where big bully countries no longer could subsume their neighbors. That had been the way of the world for a long time, but after World War II, lots of things came together to stop it. And it seems like the entire planet, except for Russia, is dead set on maintaining that that order. Mm -hmm. And Russia is trying to turn it back to we can consume anybody we want. And they become such a pariah. I just don't know how they stand. I mean, economically, they're going to be trashed. Uh, You just keep thinking somebody over there is going to take Putin out of the equation because he is harming that country forevermore. Meanwhile, you, the, think about the national identity that Ukraine is building for itself with, with how it's fighting back and getting the international support. Everybody is behind Ukraine in this battle. And even some of the Russian soldiers, I mean, there are reports from the front lines of Russian soldiers like putting holes in their gas tanks so they can say they're out of gas and can't move forward in the convoy. And they're even interacting with, you know, Ukraine civilians and maybe kind of, you know, sympathizing with them a little bit. So I think the Russians themselves are like, why are we doing this? Right, because they're being led by a madman and they're all coming to realize it. So it's a... It's going to be interesting to see how how it plays out. If Russia does ultimately take over all the cities, they've got to occupy a country where they're going to be despised by the entire populace. That is not a place you want to be at. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Let's do it one more. How is Ohio Governor Mike DeWine using some big architectural features in the state to show support for Ukraine? Laura? 
He asked ODOT to light up bridges in yellow and blue as a sign of support for the Ukraine. And ODOT has the ability to light up, too. The George Voinovich Bridge that carries I-90 traffic over the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland is the one we're most familiar with. And then the Veterans Glass City Skyway on 280, which is in Toledo over the Maumee River. This is this gorgeous white pipes. They look like a sail. And so the idea is to show that yellow and blue as a as a sign and he urged other governments to follow the ashtabula engineer's office is lighting up the ashtabula harbor lift bridge in blue and yellow dayton has their city bridges on um i-75 overpasses lit up and also the anthony wayne bridge over the mommy river in toledo as well so uh lit up in ohio for the for ukraine so when they replaced the I-90 bridge uh, back, whatever it was, eight, ten years ago, mm-hmm. they installed variable lighting that you could change the colors of, I suppose. Yeah, so it's under. you don't really notice when you're driving on 90, but it, if you're down in downtown or in the flats or something, it's beautiful. It kind of shines down onto the below part of the bridge. It's the blue that, glow, right? Yeah. If you, when you're up top, you, you can see that blue glow a little bit. Right. It's just not above you. You're not going to really notice it too much, but it's more for people looking at the city. And and DeWine said in a statement that he hopes all Ohioans will join with the more than 42,000 Ukrainians living in our state and continue to pray for a peaceful end to, to this senseless Russian aggression. And he's also got the Ukrainian flag flying at the state house and at the residence in Bexley. Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Jane Timpkin is not just begging for Donald Trump's endorsement in her run for the Senate. She's hiring the former advisors to Donald Trump to help in her campaign. Seth, who are they? And really, can these people help her? We have to imagine that they could help her because we know that Trump is a guy who responds to you know people being in his ear and what people tell him, right? Uh, so she'd already hired Kellyanne Conway after uh, Bernie Moreno dropped out. Kellyanne Conway was over on his campaign. Um, and she announced yesterday that she was hiring Corey Lewandowski and David Bossie. Corey Lewandowski was the 2016 campaign manager before Kellyanne Conway took over. And David Bossie was the deputy campaign manager. And, um, yeah, I mean, it. I don't know if it will work just because there are kind of fractured Trump elements supporting different people in the Senate race. So that's going to be uh, – we just have to watch it, right? And, I mean, it certainly – probably can't hurt too much considering we know that the the main driving force in their specter whatever you want to call it in this senate race is uh if trump makes an endorsement and who he endorses although if putin falls we may find out some ugly stuff about donald trump that they've got on him and that may hurt the donald trump endorsement there's a lot of time before november and a lot of action going on in russia i i still am surprised at how shamelessly they're begging for Trump's benediction. That, that, I mean, voters like independent thinkers generally, and they're all just puppets for Donald Trump, begging for his approval. Um, it's, it's surprising. I said that a year ago in a story I did, right, where they're, you know, I think I compared them to the kids in middle school bickering over who gets to sit at the popular kids' table or something like that. And it, it is really bizarre when you think about what elections have looked like as far back as I can remember, right? Every politician wants to make themselves like, I'm an independent thinker or a maverick or whatever, right? I'm, I'm not someone who's right. going to answer to the powers that be. I'm going to answer for you. Complete opposite. Well, they're trying to really thread the needle and, you know, be both I'm an independent thinker, but also whatever this guy says goes. 
And it's like those are two are kind of antithetical uh, concepts to each other. It's gross. I mean, who wants a leader that basically says, I put all my decisions into the hands of, of a, really a crazy guy? I, I just it throws me. You know, Matt Dolan was supposed to be the guy that stands apart, that, that is not the Trump candidate. But he really has not done anything right to distinguish himself. He's almost pandered in a different way without seeking the Trump benediction. He's trying to to have the Trump kind of campaign. I've been surprised that he did not more effectively say, I'm not like them. I'm right. here because I'm an independent guy. You know me. I vote my conscience. And we're not seeing that. Instead, the ad saying, I want to finish the wall, right? Like, it doesn't mm. sound very different from no. Mike Gibbons saying, I'm Trump tough. Like, right. It's another sycophant. And I, w when did voters start wanting having sycophants lead them? So, well, Jane Timpkins got the Trump advisors, so maybe she'll get the Trump endorsement. You're listening to Today in Ohio. So it's bad news for the Cleveland Guardians. They already have fans that are pretty upset with them over the name change that was supposed to start this season. And now, Lisa, opening days postponed. The season is shortened. How do you think the fans are going to respond? Who are they're already disillusioned with the name change. Now it's not starting. There's there's the lockout. You think they're gonna stop paying attention? I don't know. And then you pile on top of that two years of the pandemic where the first year there was nobody in the stands, you know, and last year finally they, they allowed, you know, full capacity about halfway through the season. And of course, people who listen to this podcast or read my editorial board roundtables know that I am on record. I was not in favor of the change to the Guardians. I saw nothing racist or offensive about the Indian's name. And, you know, I, I this, like you said, this is the first year with a new name. And let's not forget when they opened the team store downtown at Progressive Field, the day that it opened with the new Guardians merchandise, the new Guardians sign fell smashing to the ground. P baseball very fans, symbolic very yeah, symbolic right. you know and, and baseball fans like myself were very superstitious about things I think the name changed the the ominous of the sign and like I said it, it's all about money I, you know I, I we went through this you know during the uh, pandemic they were arguing about you know how much they were going to get paid in a shortened season you know by the pandemic and so I think people are tired of that I mean they see them making a lot of money they see them complaining about making a lot of money, and the players really haven't come to the table, in my opinion. Only Andrew Miller and the other player representative have really only gone to these meetings over the last week. So I don't know. I think that – and Jimmy Donovan on WKYC slipped and said Indians during his, his sports report yesterday. It's hard so. not to. I've been in the same boat. And, look, we keep getting email. For some reason, people have sent us a lot of the email about their dissatisfaction with this, and I still get Get it. There's still people that are bereft that the team that they followed has been renamed. And I, I don't know. I, I just this is a tough one to for fans to digest. Seth, you had a thought about how this could affect Matt Dolan's candidacy for the Senate. Well, everybody always talks about, hey, keep politics out of sports or whatever, which I always thought was a silly notion because sports can, you know, are inherently political in a lot of ways. Yeah, I do think that there is some call it danger, I guess, for Matt Dolan in this, because what, let's let's rewind. When he first got in or was thinking about getting into the race, you know, Trump put out a statement kind of admonishing him and the Guardians for changing their name. And now that you have a lockout going on, 
that is going to you know delay opening day and generally what i've seen is most people seem to be on the side of the players during this lockout right at least that's that's how it's seemed to me i could be totally wrong about that but you know people tend to vote on what is affecting them personally and if you take something away that people like and they associate you with it then that can spell some trouble for you so if they view the dolans as being part of the problem why there is no baseball then i mean that could you know significantly hurt matt dolan's chances especially since i think it's pretty easy to argue that he's going to rely on a lot of his base from up here in northeast ohio yeah, I, I I don't think it'll go over well with them. You know, opening day is like a holiday in Cleveland. I mean, the whole town shuts down. Everybody's downtown all day drinking. It's a it's a big celebratory kind of moment. And now they've been deprived of it. Coming out of COVID, you know, everybody's looking to get outside. And we're going to have a day like that with the St. Patrick's Day parade. But opening day, not having that in the way that we've had it, I think is going to demoralize Indians fans. Could Could end up being tough what do you think laura i agree with you i think that the promise of a full season on opening day and the it's like the unofficial start of spring even if it's snowing in cleveland it is this big jubilant day and taking that away from people when they are hungry for something to celebrate is going to be tough on clevelanders i mean it's like our version it's like the baseball version of draft the draft right like it's it's we don't make it to the uh the world series that often it's the the big day for for the Guardians and I I was looking forward to a full season of the the new baseball team. My kids haven't gotten their their jerseys yet, but um and now maybe yeah, they won't. Yeah. <laughs> you go straight to the Browns, you know, the the draft is coming up. So all right, you're listening to Today in Ohio. We're not going to get to talk about the Bomb Squad again. Maybe tomorrow. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Laura. Thanks to everybody who listens. We'll be back Thursday to talk about some more of the news that's going on.